You're listening to the Rogers Sporting Goods Podcast. This is Aaron Jones. This is Chandler Smith, and I hate long intros, so let's get into it. And these are the other two guys that are going to join so, us. So that's Jody Pagan. He's um, uh, with uh, Eco Protection Systems, mm-hmm. and he's uh, also manages Five Oaks. And then there's <clears throat> the two young men out there. That's uh, Daniel Duke and Brandon okay. Bennett. They're going to be in. And then this is Sean Hagen from Ducks Unlimited. Okay, perfect. So. Usually we like to start this with kind of like a funny or interesting story. Jeff, I know you've got plenty of stories. So, mm. Well, I could probably tell the story about probably blowing my MCL out. Uh, riding a friggin' bouncy horse and lasso and stuff. Do it. Let's do it. I want to know how you blew out your MCL. Is this how long ago was this? A Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. <laughs> so that's why you got a little hitch in your giddy up. I got a big hitch in the giddy up. Yeah. So uh, if you're ready to go, yeah. All right. So I want to hear the story. You know, Sitka. I've been a Sitka rep for I, this is ten years, eleven. This is eleven, twelve years, mm-hmm. and um, every year we have a Sitka Olympics, the Rep Olympics. And the Rep Olympics are all sorts of ridiculous games. So, like, you got to shotgun a beer and then pick a pellet rifle up or a twenty two and hit a target and then, or actually shotgun a beer, run around something, then pick the gun up and hit a target or shoot a recurve bow. Or um, in the case this year, the first event was, um, uh, you know, the game Flip Cup, mm-hmm. but instead of doing it with your hand, you did it with foam arrows, a, an arrow that had a foam head on it, and the cups were on a table. And so, you know, we kind of got through that, no big deal, really not not much physical activity. And But the next game was you had to get on these bouncy balls uh, that you hop hop on, mm-hmm. and then you had a, you had a ridiculous-looking cowboy hat, a, a neckerchief or a bandana around your neck, but you had to, you had to uh, shotgun a beer, get on the, get all your stuff on, get on the horse, get your, get your lariat, and hop down to, uh, to this cooler that had a bull's head on it from Yeti, and lasso it, and then hop back. And whoever, of course, won, um, you got some points. And the, the whole key to the Sitka Olympic is, Olympics is you don't want to lose because I guess the loser this year and it's, it's like 90 degrees out there, had to walk around in a fanatic outfit and boots and everything, serving people for like two hours. Oh, my gosh. It was ridiculous. That's what I heard. I had to, le- I had to leave to get here for the event. So anyway, my turn. You know, I'm, I've, I've been telling uh, Justin, my sales manager, man, I, I shouldn't be doing this. We got a lot of stuff going on. We got elk hunt, a deer hunt. And my knee was already bothering me. He goes, nope, you're doing it. No excuses. So I said, okay. So... Uh, Sure enough, hop, and, you know, I feel something go wrong there. But I, I got to uh, let me preface this. So the guy I was going against is a guy by the name of Park Burson. He's a, one of the reps in Cincinnati, and he's, he's kind of the comedian of the whole deal. Well, one of the other reps came up, up to me and said, hey, I'll give you 100 bucks if you lasso him instead of lassoing the bull. And so I'm like, you're on. <laughs> so he gets all his stuff on, and he's going in front of me, and I'm hopping behind him. And sure enough, I, uh, we got a video of it that he's making his throws to, to the bowl, and I'm getting all wound up. And I knew it was a one-and-done deal. And I've got one out here that we've messed around a little bit, but by no means am I a, 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 a cattle roper. Lucky. Hit him the first freaking time and uh, uh, lassoed him and 
th- those were my points. So I knew I, I scored because I knew I wasn't going to lose. And so mm-hmm. I won that deal. And, of course, leaving, I didn't have to have any chance of, of losing the whole deal. But it was pretty comical. Yes. So, yeah. So, but you got a little bit of hitching your giddy up now. A bad one. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that um, – so I was in ice bags the whole time I was out there. You know, another part of it, you know, there's I'm not going to miss out on the on the the partying either. And they mm-hmm. pushed me around in a cart all the way up and down Main Street to the cannery, the Crystal, Rock and R, all the bars down there in a cart. So it was quite funny. Yes, that's quite entertaining. Yeah. So yeah. first class service, you did got to get pushed around everywhere. Well, I'm the longest tenured rep and the biggest one there. So, yeah, they had to take care of me. That's so. funny. <laughs> that's funny. So, so, Josh, any battle s- stories? I don't have many right now. Yeah. I was not prepared to come in with a comedic act. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's okay. So we are down in Pappenville, Missouri. Make sure I say that right. Pappenville. No so, S. Yes, no S. So I learned that. I think I've said it with an S before. Yeah. So Pappenville, Missouri. And we're with um, a group of guys that are huge into waterfowl management and conservation so you guys are familiar with me this is aaron and i drug mr josh peck down here Mm, how you doing yes from outdoor limits and jeff i'm going to go ahead and allow you to introduce yourself and okay so uh i'm jeff watt i've been a sales rep in the hunting and fishing industry um for 32 years rogers has been one of my uh, customers for 32 years for for different uh different vendors and whatnot and um very very avid duck hunter and i would like to say wetland manager i'm getting better every year learning a lot of stuff learn a lot of stuff from the guys are going to talk talk later too but um you know it's uh josh is josh is uh sitting over here to my left and we had a a brainstorming deal the last couple years about doing some stuff and that's how we came to come up with the osage basin wetland symposium which is what are the reasons you're here? Sure. Now, the actual name of your group down here is? Well, I belong to a couple different clubs down okay. here. So um, one of them is Black Acres, which is a little bit to the west or to the east that is going to be one of the subject places. Mm-hmm. The other one is Shadow Oaks, which is another one of the subject places uh, that we're going to see, which is just south of us here. But um, uh, that's... That's yeah, that's yeah. Those are the duck your clubs. clubs but those then you and Josh formed the Osage. We, we formed the 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 wetland managers cooperative. We're calling it basically. Yeah. And it's kind of the umbrella we're op- operating under for the the symposium. Sure. So yeah. So it's a it's a, a collective idea. You've read the the message we mm-hmm. had there. Um, that Jeff and I just kind of talked about. We needed more education in this this part of the world, and so uh, that's. How it came about, and, and he was a conduit to kind of help it get going, and uh, we put some some talented people together to come help us do this. But sure, yeah, you know, one of the one of the big things was building habitat. Without the habitat, you don't have the ducks. Without the ducks, we don't have a passion or a, a lifestyle, and we for sure don't have a business. Mm-hmm. And so we know that if we can build the habitat and provide the habitat, it's going to help the ducks do what they're going to do, and take it a, st- a step farther is we want <clears throat> habitats that can be used all fr- when they're when the waterfowl are flying south migrating south and then the, when they're not migrating back north and i've been a a moist soil seed guy for um pretty much my whole waterfowl career i've never really enjoyed the flooded corn i know that it adds stuff to the 
the whole food chain that, that a duck has to, has to um, have to survive. But I've never been really a fan because, not because, but I've, a lot of people that plant, plant that stuff, they just pull the plug the day the season's over so they can get it dried out so they can put more more corn in there the next year mm-hmm. and that doesn't help the ducks that have already gone flown south and then uh, they got to come back north here mm-hmm. and get to the breeding grounds and be able to be healthy to 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 make make a brood and and go sure. on and that's what you'll notice too on our logo is it's a hen mallard <clears throat> instead of a, of a green head mm-hmm. and that's the habitat part of it without them there's nothing we have nothing yeah, that's exactly right. And I like the idea, too, that, you know, a lot of people, they have a chunk of ground, a duck lease or whatever, and they focus on killing the ducks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't focus on, hey, they got to go back north. Yeah, yeah. So well, we love to kill them. Oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> we not, love to kill yeah. them. But we also love to see, we also love, we spend more time getting ready to kill them mm-hmm. than we do shooting them. Sure. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. I mean, we, we basically do it 300 and five days sure you know the day the season ends we're thinking of what else to do yeah exactly. or how to do it again next year mm-hmm. so so yeah the killing part's the fun part that's where you reap the rewards of all your work but yeah. you're focused on again yeah all parts of management parts. not just trying to put ducks on a lanyard yep so okay awesome and it, you know it's something that with my job that i realized that there was a lack of knowledge and the educational experience wasn't there for people to learn more there wasn't any any avenue for them to go out and, and learn about wetland management like I've had the opportunity through my, my career mm-hmm. and my education. So um, that's where this all kind of came together and, and providing diverse habitat on the ground like we do on public lands and and trying to attract ducks not only for the hunting, as you mentioned earlier, but to, to provide that habitat in the spring. And, and it really, in the end, then it, it, it does benefit a suite of birds that's way beyond waterfowl you know it's it's shore birds and then herps and everything else so we're, we're diverse in our management we we benefit a lot more stuff but the duck's the reason we're doing it sure. and uh, and it's, so it's easy sell when you got a landowner that really likes to shoot some ducks and and wants to do that we can we can teach them to manage a diversity of habitats in a different way and and so that's where we've kind of came together and, and developing properties and working on improving properties and trying to uh to get that message out there and so it just it just came together naturally and this has been in the works for three years now we've tried to try to get this started and COVID hit and then we had some other things come up we just couldn't get it done a couple of years ago and 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 brought some other people in and, and jody and and mickey or uh, mickey won't be here today but uh jody will be here talking a little bit later and and they just said yeah let's do this you know we we're, we'd love to come up there in your part of the world and, and start talking about some waterfowl management and trying to educate some people so this is the first year you've actually been able to do this because of, like you said, COVID and all of that. All different things, but yeah, yeah the first year. Awesome. Yep. yep. And so you're expecting quite a few people, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, how many we have, Josh? We're, uh, we had 57 signed up, um, coming from six different states. And uh, now we're down like about 54 or 55. We had a couple guys that had some, some stuff to happen and couldn't be here. But um, the goal of this was to focus on the Osage Basin, West Central Missouri, and keep this kind of local. And hey, we're kind of greedy. We want ducks in our part of the world. And <laughs> sure. we want a lot of them here. Well, that's right. And I mean, that's, again, being around and hearing about some of the other events that Mickey has done and, and up in north central Missouri or, or eastern Missouri, we just, there hadn't been anything down here for us to do in, in this region. Mm-hmm. And even though it's only two or three hours north, it's a different, it's a whole different set of, um, 
um, set of challenges. And so uh, that's that was that's the backbone of what, what we're trying to do is get everybody in this basin with similar thought process so the ducks stay here longer um, until the weather really pushes them out of here. Sure. You know, but we just take care of them here and, and everybody in the, what, 30, 40 miles? Yeah. 40 miles from the Kansas State Line down to Truman Reservoir, <clears throat> you know, on the Osage River. Sure. Yeah. And, and we had 30-something committed, and then we said, well, we, we had really only wanted 30. <laughs> And we hadn't even talked to anybody else. And then it went to, it was easily, easy to get to 50. We've got a waiting list. So. Yeah, yeah. We, we, the demand was there. And that was what, you put this event on, you're thinking, man, are people going to respond? Are they going to show up? They, they like this idea. And next thing you know, we're, you know, we're seeing our, our posts shared on Instagram. Uh, we do have a, an Instagram account for the Osage Basin uh, Wetland Symposium, and it's showing up all over the gram. It's, it's kind of cool. So yeah. I'm not a marketing guy. My daughter is, but I'm not. And uh, it, was, it was really interesting to see people in Arkansas, Texas, and stuff, and then people that I've followed on Instagram for several years all of a sudden sharing this thing. And, and the responses we got were pretty cool to – to see how positive people were and, and the demand was there. So uh, we hope, you know, this is the first one and we hope to maybe have another one and, and maybe expand our topics, you know, look at some spring ecology of birds and, and how to manage your wetlands in the spring and evaluate them. So we, we hope the first and we, and we, we know it's first. We hope it's not the last. Right. And we've had a ton of help. I mean, we've had, if without the help to do this, whether it be the, the design of, of our whole programs, the speakers, you know, the, the conservation organizations, mm -hmm. I mean, retailers, uh, we've had a ton of help and without it, we wouldn't be able to do it. Sure. Or it wouldn't be as good. We'd, we'd be able to do it. It just might not be as good as it's going to be. Mm -hmm. so. so we've talked a little bit about what your guys's goals and mission missions are with the symposium. What's the, the format of it? I know you've got some, some lectures, some talks, some field type stuff what exactly do you guys have planned and it's what a couple days yeah yep. we're doing a, a three-day event um we're meeting this evening and we're going to have a couple presentations and have a, a little get together because part of this cooperative is is not just about the hunting it's about hunters getting to know each other managers getting to know each other because you know there's a strong bond between hunters and waterfowlers and, and it goes back a long ways and so we want to create that community and so that's part of the goal one of the goals of the co-op but so tonight we'll get together have social hour we'll have a couple presentations and we're going to talk about moist soil management tonight with mickey heitmeyer and then we will go in tomorrow we'll go in the morning we'll start out the classroom again um, we're going to talk about some of the Corps of Engineers requirements. Um, Jody's going to talk about some of his uh, management cornerstones for, for waterfowl management down at Five Oaks. And uh, then we're going to have a presentation from uh, Frank Nelson, who's a Missouri Department of Conservation fellow employee of mine. And he's going to talk about uh, hydrogeomorphology, which is a big mouthful of words, but yeah. it's, it's really about putting the right thing in the right place. Don't try and manage an oxbow lake for a cornfield and and uh, then it's easier to manage your property that way. And we're going to talk about uh, WRP tomorrow with Neil Young. And then we're going to go to the field after that. And we're going to tour some pretty phenomenal habitat tomorrow. We've had a very, very good growing season this year in our part of the world. And, and Jeff and the landowners we're going to go see have worked very hard to um, you know, provide some really, really good habitat that we can showcase and also leave some of the bad stuff so we could you know, show what the bad stuff was, how they got to the good stuff. So we're going to talk about uh, cropping for waterfowl. We're going to talk about doing some moist soil management. 
and how to set your property up for hunting tomorrow. Awesome. So everybody who's listening to the podcast, we've got a little bit different format for you today. We've had Josh and Jeff on here talking about the event that they've got this weekend and the symposium um, that we're here doing, but they're um, subject matter subject matter experts that are talking tomorrow. We're going to have them on here on the podcast as well. So um, yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. But a lot of information going to be thrown around in a couple of days, and that's awesome. Yeah, a bunch. Yeah. I mean, it, it not only the lectures, but the information that the attendees are going to be receiving in uh, in pamphlets, brochures, and books. We've got one of the best books around for identifying moist soil plants in the Mississippi Alluvial Valley, which was, I think, University of Mississippi. Did they? Uh, yes. Did that. And then we have another one that's a waterfowler's handbook that has been used. That was a Lee Fredrickson book. What? It, it came or, from Mississippi State. Mississippi and State, and okay. Kind of a compilation of several <laughs> things, a waterfowl management handbook that was around in the 90s and uh, some other guides. It's, it's just a, it's a really broad uh, management handbook that has a lot of good information in it for wetland managers. But, but the best part is they're going to hear about it, see some slides and all that stuff, but then they're going to be able to go to the field and see exact, you know, exactly what techniques we use to do this. Sure. And, and it's not anything that is, is unobtainable by any one of these landowners. I mean, did a tractor, disc, broadcast cedar or drill, um, brush, brush cutters, you know, herbicides, all that stuff. So it's really obtainable. You just need to know. About mm-hmm. It. Mm-hmm. So you're providing that information for them. Yep. Yep. Awesome. And a place together with like-minded people. You can't beat that. Not you can't. Not no. No. Good food. Yeah, we're going to have some pretty good food, Good too. camaraderie. It's going to yeah. be good. Excellent. And I'd probably be remiss if I didn't mention my career. So I, you know, I, I didn't really introduce myself. No, you need I to stole do my that. thunder. So, yes. uh, But I am Josh Kusmani. I'm a private lands conservationist for the Missouri Department of Conservation. And I serve uh, Vernon and Bates County. And so that's how I've got to – I've known Jeff for 22 years. I was a wildlife biologist at Four Rivers Conservation Area for 10 years and then also at Sholos Age for another eight years. And so I met I met Jeff back in, gosh, it was like 2000 at the Galleons yep. uh, Waterfowl Weekend yep. and had kind of bumped around and then and met him here or encountered him here and there. And then uh, when I stepped in this position in 2018, uh, he just we, he kind of got interested more and more and and things just started rolling. And then we ended up here today. So it's been a, a pretty neat, uh, neat trip to get to this point, uh, working on properties and improving them and, and developing some that he's purchased and. And so we've, we've had a good, good run so far. So we're excited. Yep. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll have some of these uh, other guys jump in, and we can talk a little bit about – we'll have them highlight kind of, I guess, what they're talking about. Um, obviously, we can't have them get too in-depth like they will tomorrow, but there's a lot of knowledge that we can tap into. So we'll have some of those guys hop on. and. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll get them. Recording once again. Okay, guys, so we have had a few more – individuals jump in these are some of the guys that are talking tomorrow on their their specialties and far as far as like water fowl um i guess conservation management and everything that we discussed a little bit ago so i'm going to have you guys kind of jump around and and introduce yourselves yeah i'm jody pagan the owner of uh, ecosystem protection service uh we're a full service company that um, does wetland restoration and, and cons- consultation all over 27 states two provinces in argentina uh, 28 wow. years I've been a wetlands biologist. Okay. So uh, we work here in Missouri, but a lot in southeast Kansas. 
Uh, a lot of good friends there and a lot of good habitat. Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, you know, we've been around and uh, we've, we've preached the gospel for some time now. So uh, our real focus here this week and uh, just big applause for, uh, for Jeff and Josh. You know, uh, I did this for a living for USDA and RCS for like 20 years where I was in the national cadre. And so I trained government employees. And if you're not getting trained by the government or the state government, it seems that there's a big void in what, we, what we're doing. Uh, a lot of the conservation organizations should have already stepped up and do, to do this. And uh, so it's a real pleasure to be here. Sure, exactly. Now, Josh, he does a lot of hunting in southeast Kansas, so sure he's is. familiar with that territory. Now, do you strictly work with um, private individuals and duck clubs, or do you still work with I, government? I, de I deliver the WRE program for okay. the NRCS in Arkansas, um, and then we do a lot of private lands work. We manage Five Oaks Duck Lodge, which has been around since 1983. Uh, past president of DU, George Dunklin's the owner of that. Um, both Brandon Bennett and Daniel work on the staff there with me and for me and just incredible managers. Um, moist soil management that, that everybody's kind of fuzzed up about here, it, it's, it's an art, okay? It's, uh, it's uh, a means of propagating natural vegetation that the waterfowl need way before man made a corn stalk. Ducks were eating wild millet and smart weed and all these things we'll talk about this week. So um, we've started, George and, and I started the Five Oaks Agricultural Research and Education Center. And Brandon was the first, one of the first four graduate certificate program um, graduates this last spring. And so we teach them for a year, we teach them the art of managing on the ground. Not book, tractors, fire units, pumping water, cutting grass, spraying weeds, doing the things that it takes to propagate these plants. And so uh, we're real proud of him. Daniel, longtime friend, uh, went to work for me. Just one of the most incredible guys that looks at the ground and is able to adapt. Uh, so everybody should learn a lot from him if, if we can get him to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah go, go right ahead and keep. Uh, yeah, I'm Brandon Bennett. I'm a wetlands biologist with Ecosystem Protection Service. And like you said, I was uh, in the first class of the Five Oaks Gra Ag Research and Education Center graduate certificate program. And I was fortunate enough to be hired on by Jody. And I spend a lot of time around Five Oaks and surrounding properties and try to venture out and do whatever I can. Awesome. And my name is Sean Hagen. I'm the Director of Development uh, for Western Missouri and Kansas for Ducks Unlimited. Um, and my main job is to match donors with their passion and their investing in conservation goals and, and projects that match up with Ducks Unlimited's mission and uh, make it possible for them to leave a legacy through our through our work. All right. Daniel Duke, EPS. Um, I um, handle all the day-to-day -day operations at Five Oaks, project manager for EPS as well. Okay. So I guess let's briefly touch on what each of you guys are going to be kind of discussing this weekend because I know there's a lot of information being thrown around. <clears throat> I'll start. Since, okay. Uh, yeah, tomorrow morning we'll start and we'll do the cornerstone. So back in the early 2000s, uh, uh, one of my friends had a, good, a really good TV show called The Management Advantage and, and uh, it was on the Outdoor Channel. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we did a whole lot of this type stuff to try to educate people. And we wound up and wanted to put a DVD series together back when there was a DVD, <laughs> not a podcast. Yep. And uh, 
so we said, what are we going to name this? You know, waterfowl management. So we came up with um, kind of a three-tiered approach to waterfowl management, and we called it the cornerstones of waterfowl management. And so you have hunter management, vegetation management, and water management. None of it's going to happen without those three. You overshoot it, no good. You don't manage your weeds, no good. So anyway, we'll go through that. And so this has been, this will be my 18th duck season at Five Oaks. We're at 80,000 dead ducks. And the reason we're at 80,000 dead ducks and about 3.8 ducks per man per day is real simple. We put the money out in the habitat. Not a, not a two or three million dollar lodge, not fancy cars, putting it on the ground because the habitat, if they're not going back fat and happy, we're not gonna have a good hatch. So, you know, you could call us a hunt master, Daniel or I, a hunt master, or P, you know, PH, however you wanna call it, duck guide, which is something I hate because I'm a wetlands biologist, but I've got it for 28 years. It's all about putting back, because you get in, you get back what you put in. Well, I just was one of the gentlemen. I came up here in March and went all over this with Jeff and, and the cohorts here. And we talked about strategies to, to work on the habitat. Blew my mind when I rode around. I got here early this morning. Uh, just really kicked it in. I mean, I'm so proud of them because in one year, it goes from half decent habitat or corn to just a plethora of moist oil plants, really good habitat, a, a complexes. We talk a lot about that. We talk about all the life history requirements that a duck needs while he's here, mm -hmm. especially that big fat mallard, because everybody wants to shoot him. So we'll, we'll, we'll really get in depth in that. And uh, like Jeff said, uh, management's 365 days a year. That's, that's really what the buzz click on the deal was. Cornerstones, waterfowl management, uh, waterfowl management 365 because mm -hmm. that's that's the life we live so we're farming duck food and I farmed a long time with Mr. Dunklin in rice farming and he goes you know these farmers it's my buddies over here at the uh, farm bureau and whatnot they go they really think you're crazy you're raising weeds out here in my fields for ducks and they're trying to kill them to get a crop so some will adopt it and some won't but I promise you that there's one thing that's stuck in my mind for a long, long time. Everybody fusses about state and federal refuges, okay? They're not bad. They're going to sustain a population of birds if everything goes to Hades, okay? Mm -hmm. that's, the prep, that's the reason for that. But they say, oh, they stay on the refuge all the time. Well, some of these WMAs up here, they got the best moist soil in the country, okay? I've been around here since the 90s with Heidmeyer and Doug Helmers and a bunch of guys up in that North Central. Did a lot of workshops in Missouri for NRCS. And if you're a private landowner, why are you going to grow a cornfield and that's all you grow? When a duck needs lots of different things that these people will learn about this week. Um, so don't try, you know, don't let, them, don't let the state and feds beat you. Manage your property. Get up to that level, and let's do some good. And your hunting, the hunting will come. If you manage it properly, the hunting will come. Sure. Awesome. Now, I'll go ahead and have you talk about um, what really got you interested and want you to get involved with something like this, You're being the first graduate of the program. Oh, man. I've known what I wanted to do from the time I was in kindergarten. Really? That is no joke. 
and I've kept on the straight and narrow since then, doing exactly this, calling up people like Jody, going and shadowing him here and there, and then this uh, graduate certificate program popped up at just the perfect time for me. So it was immediately after getting my bachelor's degree, I enrolled in that, got a spot in the program, and so I was one of the four. We went through the through the year, and I I mean I was immediately hooked and. Fortunately, at the end of that year, I was offered a job, and it tried to hit the ground running and take off from there. Sure. So what, what do you think is one of the coolest things that has come out of it so far that, I mean, I know obviously if you've known what you've wanted to do since kindergarten, that's, that's pretty impressive right there. But what, what are you most passionate about as far as the aspect of what you do? Mm, that's probably managing for what's naturally out there already rather than trying to propagate something that we have developed so that whether that be moist soil or managing a green tree reservoir to its maximum potential just managing what's naturally out there to its maximum potential and getting the best out of each acre that we have sure well that's fun i like that what uh what are you going to be discussing tomorrow what's what are, what are the guys going to hear? Well, I'm talking tonight, and it's basically just introducing. I mean, everybody knows who Ducks Unlimited is, right? Everybody does. Um, so it's kind of just introducing the role that I have and, and how people can help with the projects that we do. Um, you know, Jody's blessed that he works at a place where he's got funding behind him, right? Mm -hmm. Ducks Unlimited does a lot of public ground and government ground and and some private ground projects. So we have to we have to raise that money to do some of those. And one of the great things we can do is we can partner it with, with grant money or match money, and we can take a dollar and turn it into four or eight or 10 to really make a big impact on those. Because the bottom line is public ground, private ground, wherever you're looking at, conservation without money is just conversation. So I'm just gonna talk to them about how we can partner together and, and you know, get their philanthropic side to help us out to complete some projects to, to help do on a bigger scale what these guys are doing here. This is a phenomenal symposium. Um, keeping ducks in an area is, is so important if this is what your passion is. So we're just here to introduce what we do and kind of show people the vehicle that can help do this on a larger scale, which will help things, whether it's Truman Basin or Four Rivers or Shell Osage or you know, following the Osage River over to Meridacine and, and some of those those compounds over there or up north at Los Bluffs or, or wherever the case may be. So we're just going to be talking about that and kind of introducing folks to how they can help out a little more. How they can help out with DU. That's awesome. Absolutely. All right. You're up next. Oh, me. Making, uh -oh. me, making me talk. You know, uh, this weekend, I would I want to get out of it. I would want to meet with all these guys individually. Let's just talk about management, uh, some of the trials and tribulations that I've had. Man, this works. This didn't work. Man, don't ever try that again, or that worked really good. <laughs> uh, and just kind of help them out along the way. Some of the stuff that we've done at Five Oaks, some, you know, some of the things that Jody shared with me, and some of the stuff that I've just, hey, man, worked great. Let me help you guys out, you know. Or, hey, I might learn something from these guys this weekend. Now, most of the people that are going to be here, I, I don't know if you're familiar with any of them. Are they guys that are, like, well-seasoned in wildlife or waterfowl conservation and management? Is it guys that are just, you know, <laughs> starting? Like, what kind of education are you looking to give? Are you looking to help these guys with, you know, 
they already know the basics and you're, you're really diving in or you're starting with the basics and getting deep or what, what kind of approach are you guys taking this weekend? Well, it, you know, at any training level, if you go, if you send your kid to fifth grade, they're going what they're going to work on the curve. Sure. They're going to work from the low end up. Mm -hmm. So how we usually approach this and, and Mickey Heitmeyer's coming and, you know, we've done hundreds of talks to people. And so we'll start out and try to build it as we go over the weekend. And most of the really good stuff happens, like Daniel's talking about, sitting on the tailgate, teaching mm -hmm. the guy to top mow his barnyard grass where he can knock the coffee weeds out of it. Or, you know, that's where, that's what I think too Josh was trying to get out. That community is like all of my clients all over the country, when I say, well, we got some really good moist oil, it's gonna be a good moist oil year, they know what that is. And so some won't know what that is. Some will have read up on some of it. Some of them will know some plants and won't know others. So I, I would say between now and Saturday night, we're going to try to go from kindergarten to college. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so because uh, so, the ones that have already picked up, you know, they'll take it. Some of them will absolutely. Now, I've been doing this a long time. I've multi-ownership clubs, you know. I go in and say, here's the plan. Let's do it. Two of them say, let's go. Five of them say, hell no. And then the other two say, I don't care. So, you know, that's, we'll get those kind of guys, and, and, and we've, we've done a lot of, of training, and, and um, some just can't see the light. It's a lot easier to go round up atrazine and dual down and plant corn than to do what these guys have done up here this year. They have worked their tails off. And so you got to be scouting the fields all the time. you you got to be looking for the opportunities. Uh, Mother Nature always throws you curveballs. Or it's been flooded three times after I got here. We were like, oh, it's going to be good. Jeff calls. <laughs> it's under 10 foot of water. So we learned to adapt and, and roll with those punches. But, you know, you're identifying plants when they're this big to know if we got a home run or we just struck out. And so then we start planting different crops. So, uh, again, you know, kindergarten to college yeah. in two days. That's our goal. Sure, and I guess you definitely have to – you have to think on your feet and you have to be willing to be flexible because, yeah, especially a lot of places this year had no water. Some places had way too much water. So I'm sure you have a game plan going into it and it's con it's got to be fluid because it's constantly changing with what Mother Nature's throwing at you there. Yeah, Adaptive we, management. Yeah. yeah. Adaptive management, that's a common term we use now. Um, you know, Brandon did, uh, before he graduated, he did some uh, esophageal studies uh, looking at, you know, what kind of food diet or the diet that the, the ducks had. And um, it was real interesting. We've tried to kill yellow, uh, yellow nut sedge. Daniel and I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars spraying permit on yellow nut sedge, which it is a glorified chufa. But in a lot of cases, it won't make a tuber because it's just stressed. And so... Uh, he does this study that they do all this analysis, you know, top five yellow, uh, yellow uh, nut sedge. So now we're propagating the heck out of yellow nut sedge, okay? <laughs> so nobody's too old to learn, yeah. okay? And uh, just some really good thing, you know, that, that they've picked up. I'll tell you one real quick one. If y'all not going to be around here, this is real interesting. But nowadays, uh, metabar coding. They can take poop out of the lower intestine of a duck. We got this study going at Forex, Five Oaks Ag Research. They can take that poop. They can spin it in a centrifuge. They can send it off, and every plant's DNA is in this database. And it'll select out that uh, DNA, and it'll say, he ate barnyard grass and five aquatic invertebrates this morning, and blah, 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 blah. 
So how interesting that'll be. We'll, we'll, we're test driving it. So we did a real small. How many how many birds did y'all take? I don't even remember. It was it was it was a few handfuls of them. It yes. was it was more preliminary results to see. We're just exactly seeing if it works. Get, sure. Know? But that's the kind of you know if you know what they like, which we've Dr. Fredersen did thousands of hours with graduate students to, to do time and budget studies in esophageal, ground them up with blenders and looked at uh, just some crazy things back in the 80s and 90s. And, but I think we're evolving. We have different weather patterns now. I mean, I'm 51 and it's not like it was when I was a kid. The, it's like a month and a half to the, you know, towards summer. Mm -hmm. uh, we're getting 70 inches of rain in Arkansas now instead of 55. It's just different. And so as those changes occur within those wetland basins, uh, we need to be identifying, are we losing this type vegetation and do we need to be replacing it with something else? So uh, that's all our mission is with FOREC is a mallard duck and bottomland hardwood, which moist soil falls under that because the first stage of succession is moist soil. Sure. Then it grows up in trees over time. So. Um, that's really our focus. We have a lot of good research going on. Some of it is, I wouldn't call research, uh, I would call it uh, baseline data collection on 16 green trees on 6,000 acres uh, of five oaks and comparing that to a lot of uh, Hotmire studies on Biomeda WMA. If you ever know about the largest green tree reservoir in the world, that's Biomeda WMA in Arkansas County, south of Stuttgart. We, we sat next to that, like a quarter mile. And so what we can do with private monies is something different than less, they got NACA money like Sean was discussing. You know, we can do lots of different things and they're working on a master plan to try to re-establish uh, the hydrology there because the trees are sick. But all in a nutshell, um, you know, we got, we got to work together. Uh, I've, I've had private donors or private guys that I work for and we spend two or $300,000. We use that for match on the NACA grant. Uh, to build Hollowell uh, Wetland uh, Waterfowl Rest Area and Rape Plantation there in Arkansas, which are the two biggest ones there by Biomeda. So uh, it's, this is a big um, cooperative effort. Sure. You know? So your duck club's not better than my duck club, and I don't need my duck club to be better than yours. We need to work together to form that wetland complex where the ducks stay. The ducks won't stay if you don't give them what they need when they need it, okay? Because every duck wakes up different every morning. One's young, he's molting, he needs something. Yeah. One's old and he's got his girlfriend already. And he don't want you to get her, so he goes hiding the scrub shrub. So every duck is not created equal every morning. And so you have to put the buffet out to, to support that over a winter period. Sure. And I think that's one thing that people need to realize. There's greater strength in numbers. So if everybody teams together, whether it be for... Um, you know, like resources as far as equipment or finances or anything or partnering with Ducks Unlimited. I mean, there's so many things that people can do if everybody just plays on the same team. So I think that's very interesting. I want to hit on something that, it, like you said, the yellow nuts edge as far as analyzing what was in the duck that they were eating. What are like some of the, let's say, what are the top five things you guys found? And what are some like shockers, like kind of out of left field? Well, that one was real out of left field there. Yeah. <laughs> the seed portion, not the tubers, but sure. the seed portion. I'll let, I'll let Brandon hit that. I mean, number one, I think everybody would, would imagine this is Pennsylvania smartweed. I mean, that pink flowering plant you see out in the middle of a field in a little high spot is always number one for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I would even want it over a lot of planted 
planted crops, even such as rice on a, on a mild day. But I mean, anything such as the different barnyard grasses, all the echinocloas, you know, those are always good to have. And if you manage it correctly in that same field, you can have all these at once. But, you know, tooth cup is a great one. It's a small seeded plant. Teal, pintail go mad nuts over that thing. The, the I don't know, there, there are a bajillion of them, but really the Pennsylvania smartweed is always number one on my list. Barnyard grasses are always on the list. Tooth cup is always great to see, and it goes on and on and on and on. What you well, what came out of left field other than the the, the red uh, red uh, well red root sedge is in the top five too uh, that they had had looked at, but uh, the the yellow nut sedge was really a big one. They even picked up a little bit of sesbania, which is coffee bean, and everybody's always like they eat coffee bean. Well, they ate a few. Yeah, seeds. It's a legume, so it shatters, and there's seeds out there. And I think you know ducks are eating a bug, and they're they have the most hypersensitive. Uh, the lamella, how they filter out, their tongues are so sensitive that they can figure out which kind of seeds what. Okay, it's pretty wicked. But um, they're going to get some of that. Really, the coffee bean, which has really been, has always been kind of a problem species, it will get up above all the grasses and it'll shade it out where you don't really get a good stand of, of moist soil. Um, but they love it for thermal cover. And Daniel and I always fight with everybody. They say, we got to clean the coffee bean up. I like dispersed clumps of coffee bean in the field. Uh, we try to hit them a lot of times with a blazer right at the end while they're flowering. And it'll still, the stalks will stay, but it doesn't seed. Because that's what you, you don't want to let it seed in your pond, okay? But um, I, I would say that, you know, we've played, uh, Daniel's kind of perfected uh, growing chufa. And, I mean, it's a legit mallard white fronted goose food it's amazing and um you know he, he's learned the, the regime of farming it you know what to spray when to put it out so on and so forth and we have seen areas the size of the bed of the truck a half a foot deep chewed out in some of these siltier or sandy sandy loam fields that we're planting it in so uh one of our cohorts that we work with a lot he's right he went to college with brandon um he he runs a club up there at 6,000 acres, and we're trying peanuts over in East Delta, Arkansas this year in some loamy fields. So it works good in Oklahoma and Texas, so I don't know if it'll work over there. But we're we're always testing everything, but there's no magic bullet, okay? Mm -hmm. If you ate cheeseburgers every day, you going to be healthy? No. Well, if I eat corn every day, I'm not going to be healthy, okay, if I'm a duck. So keep that in mind, diversity. I mean, it's just like a good, complete uh, uh, diet that we eat that the doctor says, man, you need to eat some salad, a lot of fiber. You need to eat way back on the red meat, you know. The duck's the same way, except the good Lord gave him in his DNA to know what to eat, when to eat it, to sustain life. So when looking at management for like the average Joe, somebody's got a property, how small is too small or is there anything depends on juxtaposition to other habitats I've okay. seen, i i killed uh, 580 something mallard ducks in two acre hold over around big lake over in uh, northeast arkansas back in the 90s so it all depends on juxtaposition of the good habitat and then there's some just unexplained places ducks go that i i mean me as a biologist 30 year veteran i'm like man i don't know why they're in there but they like it so i'm gonna go in there and kill them all right so can you take just like let's say pasture ground or an ag field 
can you take that and then convert it into a moist soil unit, that's even if it wasn't historically a moist soil area? That's what I've done for 30 years. Because uh, WRP, that's what we did. If it was open, restorable land, that meant if we could put a dirt pan in it and build an impoundment, we was going to do it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, there can be issues with different things. I mean, even to the effect that I've had uh, cattle pastures. Mm -hmm. w what happens when cows stay on the ground a lot? You get very intense compaction. So it traps the seed bank, and you don't get those. You get a lot of perennials because cows mow, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when you mow something all the time and it's not disc, you don't get an annual crop. You get perennials. So we would have to do some deep tillage, ripping, I mean, even mobile plows to turn that soil bank over to get these seeds. Uh, Lee and, and, and those guys did a study at, at Gaylord Lab in the 80s, and they took a grease gun, and they stuck it in the ground all over the wetland two inches thick and that took the tubes out, went through a sieve and looked at all the different seeds that were there. Some of those two inch plugs have over 20,000 seeds in a two by, what is that, two by two? Mm -hmm. Tube. So um, Arctic lupine, they, you know, this is an example of how long the seeds will stay in the seed bank and still germinate. Uh, Arctic lupine is a little purple flower. You've probably seen it. It's all out in Colorado, but they had dug one out of the ice cap that was 10,000 years old. Okay, BP, 10,000 BP. They germinated it. So uh, ragweed, 75 years in the, in the government, the agriculture Department of Agriculture actually has a silo that they maintain those seeds and they'll pull them out every decade or whatever. Oh, got germ. So they, they know that those pest weeds like uh, amaranthus that we fight a lot, um, just kind of blows your mind, you know, when you think uh, we've had several impoundments that's really good moist soil for 10 years and then just go into an ag rotation and then just suck. And then Daniel did several different treatments with cleated rollers and got the best moist soil we had in 15 years in that, in that same impoundment. We didn't plant anything. It came. So real interesting. I mean, it's a... It's kind of a lifelong travel, you know. To, to, it's a lifelong game of playing with the weeds. Because when you see 10 or 15, 20, even 50,000 ducks come into that red weed, it's pretty crazy, you know. So can somebody take, let's say they've got a, a cattle pond. Mm -hmm. Can you take that and cater that towards ducks without having to draw the water down? Yeah. The, the, big, the, the best wetland, okay, listen close. The best wetland's the driest wetland that I can irrigate. So uh, drainage is the first key to managing ducks. If you can't manage the drainage, you can't manage your impoundment, whether it's Green Tree Reservoir or it's a moist soil pond. So number one's plumbing, okay? That's where we start. And, and from there, um, tillage, very important. That seed bank will tell you what's there. Frank Nelson, one of Lee's students, genius, Geomorphology is also one of my things. I had 17 publications for the Corps of Engineers with two doctors on potential natural vegetation models. It came from us understanding geomorphology. Frank took that and says, hey, Dr. Fredson, what, what if I did my graduate study or whatever? I can't remember if he got his doctorate, but he took that. And he figured out lots of refuges were building these big impoundments that had five different soil types in it, and they wondered why the heck it wasn't working. Well... So they go back and redesign them on the contours where the, the actual soil types are. Shown. So they're going to learn that. That's, that's a little bit, that's going to college there, okay? But they're going to learn that. I mean, this is a pretty fully loaded uh, course here that, that Jeff and Josh have put on. So the answer is yes, in the right situation, 
You can take a lot of different things. In this part of the world, two soils work, Osage clay and verdigris clay. That's where we really focus to hunt for, um, and you can run into sand lenses in the verdigris, but Osage is number one wetland soil in southeast Kansas and around here. Uh, that's the one we look for. Interesting. So going back to what Josh was saying here, so the guy that's only got a couple acres to work with or, you know, there's nothing that's too small. Uh, I mean, look, <laughs> it's your property. You can do what you want to with it. Now, would you shoot a duck every day? No, probably not. But you could maybe let them build up and shoot every other week or once a week. I mean, some of the – I've worked in Maryland, guys. A big pond's five acres. And so um, – we did this same workshop with DU out there. Um, I don't know. We started it 10 years ago. There's like hundreds of people that go to it. Never would listen. You know, I'm planting corn. I'm planting corn. And uh, we started growing the weeds, and they started killing ducks, and everybody hooked on to it. So that's what we were hoping here. But uh, five acres, but it's sitting out there on Chesapeake Bay. Like, here's Chesapeake Bay, and there's the five acres. Well, they loaf and raft out on the bay, and they come in there to feed on the moist soil. So... Am I going to come up on the high ground on the terrace where there's no river bottom and build a two-acre pond and shoot a lot of ducks? I'm going to shoot a duck probably, but I'm not going to consistently shoot ducks. There are arteries, and these guys know them up here way better. Daniel and I know all the arteries in Arkansas, but those flyway arteries, you know, they're, they're going to utilize those, and you put habitat over here, and they're not going to transverse very far away uh, to get out of that. And the reason is, you know why that hen duck's really on there? Philopathry. Philopathry is the homing instinct of a mallard hen. The, the drakes will go with any girlfriend anywhere, okay? You potting up with me, I'll go with you. I'm in Arkansas, I'll go to the Great Lakes. I'm in Arkansas, I'll go to Colorado. We had one go to Colorado this year. So, uh, main point, they come to the same place every year. Uh, Brandon and I will do some of the uh, show, a slideshow from uh, Dr. Brian that has done uh, in Osborne and have done some a lot of telemetry work with the backpacks. George bought a bunch of uh, GPS backpacks for the duck. Blow your mind. I, I've, I take care of farms all the way to Nebraska, and my ducks go down to my places in Louisiana that my friends own, and then they go to Neosho County at one of my buddies, Barrett Sadley, and then they go up to Rocco's, who was the lead guitarist for Mr. Mister, and stop in the Platte River bottom in Nebraska. Same ducks. So uh, it's, we're all in it together, boys. Mm -hmm. And it can all be done with just a handful of different tools. It can, and these guys really got it figured out. We have to have hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. But here they're kind of co-op. Say Jeff, he bought a drill, and this guy bought another tractor, and this guy's got another bush hog, and this guy's got a sprayer, and they just utilize it together. And, and that's another thing about that community. You know, uh, Daniel Brandon and I do that for clubs. We, we got five oaks, but, you know, if it's 160 acres over here, he doesn't want to go buy $200,000 worth of equipment. So we help them do that, too, uh, in our local basin, our Biomeda basin, like the Osage basin. So good stuff. So when, when managing a, a wetland area, what is, like, the ideal growing season looking like? Like, what do you hope for to have the best year possible? Okay, in most cases, depending floods, of course, uh, the first 45 days of the growing season. And you know how to – you got about a 200 to 240 right here. I got 280 days in Stuttgart, okay? So if you ever bought a tree at Walmart or an Isaiah and it said you're in Hardy Zone 5, well, 
moist soil works the same. Frost-free days. So we got so many days. What we really try to do mostly is work in the first 90 days of that growing season. First 45, we call a, a uh, early drawdown. Second one, the second 45, we call a mid-season drawdown. The third one is a late drawdown, anything after 90 days. So how you fluctuate the water and what you do with that water is probably the most critical of all because you open that screw gate and drain it all, what happens? Is your soil moist? Let me ask you all this question. If, is your soil moist if you do a really rapid drawdown and you got 100 degree days? No. It's gonna dry out like that, right? So we wanna slowly, incrementally draw that down about an inch a day over the course of weeks. And there's different plant communities down the gradient. Most guys that manage moist soil, they say they're managing moist soil. They go pull all the boards the day after duck season and they come back and put them in and pump it up. Mm -hmm. That is not moist soil management. Isn't there a, a risk of having different undesirable vegetation growing up because of that? Absolutely. That's the number one cause for its rapid drawdowns. And that rapid drawdown will make it the field almost select for one species exclusively most of the time. Hmm. You do a rapid drawdown, a lot of times you'll just get one species that propagates the entire field, whereas a slow drawdown eases the water back ever so steadily across different parts of the field and you get different species diversifying that one field. So when you, when you start your drawdown process, that's before the growing season starts or during uh, it? Let me tell you, I can get real critical. So my mentor was Lee's best friend, Lee Fredrickson's best friend. Mm -hmm. And he got to try all the techniques the practitioner does. And that's where all my knowledge came from, one man, besides Lee and Mickey. But, I mean, in 1996, Phil Covington, he was a manager at Ted Shanks and Bush. He went to work for DU, building WRP. He walks in my office. I was a little kid, about like him, sitting there in the desk, scared to death. This man's coming in. I don't know. He's supposed to be the superstar moist soil manager of all times. And I'm like, I always wondered about growing those weeds, you know. He exposed me to that, and it changed my life. Um, and I promised him uh, he passed away too early. And uh, he was in his deathbed, and, and he, I said, I, I promise I'll carry on and I'll teach people the art. Uh, because he's the guy that, that really figured out how to top mow moist soil when it had broadleaves in it to get the grass to come. Um, but how to deal with Boltonia, how to deal with so many of these species. But... Um, the everlasting thing that set out was is that if you drew, uh, 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 took a table of all the plants that's in that wetland out there, when you do the drawdown, it has to line up with the ambient temperature, the soil temperature, the soil moisture, and the texture of the soil for that particular plant to germinate. So when he tells you they drop the water off, Whatever's going on with the weather, he could drop it off rapidly and we get five inches of rain over two or three weeks and you get good stuff because it's staying moist. That's all it is, moist soil. You don't let it dry out. The biggest thing we do at Five Oaks that's perpetuated incredible moist soil management, we irrigate because the, all the places were set up for rice culture. So we raise rice and now it's in conservation. And uh, we got great drainage and we got great irrigation. And so, like, I don't know if you've been in the rice country, country before, but you flood rice, right? Well, so most of our techniques are really focused around our rice culture because that's what we farmed for Daniel's parent, grandparents and several generation farmers. So we took farming practices and plugged it into conservation. 
is really where all this came from, from, from Phil teaching us just all the different um, ways to manage with the different tools. So you're drawing water out slowly, and then does it ever go completely no water, no standing water, but the mo yes. soil staying moist? Yep. And then you start your tilling process and disking and spraying and maintaining and trying to cultivate the, the plants that you're looking for. Depending on, here, here's kind of my rule of thumb up here, it would be, uh, it's usually about uh, the end of June. But it, at our latitude, because remember, every latitude's got a little different play. I've, I've grown the moist soil all the way to uh, Gaydon at the coast, intercoastal waterway and all the way up to Nebraska. Is It's all about timing. So we start that drawdown, the early drawdown like we're talking about. We don't get um, adequate rains. We may get really bad uh, invasive plants coming. It could get too wet and we get invasive plants. But our moist soil ponds are not monocultures. They're not going to be a monoculture of moist soil in most cases. They're not going to be a monoculture of a crop. So if, say it's 100 acres, say 50 of it's really good. Say 25% of it's okay, and 25% is not any good at all. By the 4th of July, we're going to make a decision on that 25% that's not good at all, and that that was so-so. And in most cases, the so-so turns out to be good if we get the adequate rain or we irrigate it, and the 25% goes into something like a cover crop like millet. So when you fly over Five Oaks, the rest ponds in Five Oaks, you're going to look like, it's going to look like a quilt your grandmother quilted. It's going to be a different color. It's going to be different habitats, all due to we work with Mother Nature and irrigation. And so that's really what I hope I get over to these guys this week. <laughs> Everybody's, I mean, look how, how beautiful is a cornfield. I mean, it's, it's pretty good, especially when there's 50,000 over it, and it's about 28 degrees right before it freezes up. But, but um, the, the biggest thing that we're pushing, and Mr. Dunklin's really allowed us to push the envelope really hard towards the moist soil. We're about 67%. Daniel and I talked about it this morning. Almost 70% of all of our land mass that's rest area is moist soil. Is It's warmer. And Dr. Heitmeyer in 84, he figured out that, that ducks use different habitats at different times, like I was telling you. It's land, it's a habitat usage. The warmer it is, the more they eat moist soil. <laughs> And last year is a great example. They killed them. We had, I think we had over 50% last year moist soil across the whole farm. Now, we're shooting them in the green tree, okay? Don't get me wrong. We don't shoot the moist soil. It's the rest pond. Um, but when it's hot and dry, the less, car, the less hot foods we have, the more ducks we kill if we have more moist soil. The colder it is, you better have some. You better have some hot food because they're going to come. And it's almost like when you dial up the north, the big northwest wind and it's 28 and it's going to 17, they're going to the hot food. And that can be rice or milo or corn or millet, but millet's more of a moist soil plant than it is a hot, hot food. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell, that's, that's what we're thinking every day. We're guiding and we're looking and we're going, what's the temperature, what's the wind? What are they going to eat today? What are they eating today? What are they going to eat tomorrow? So it's all about food. The man, I state this many times in my career, the man with the most food wins. They want a full belly. They want to be fat and happy. So if anybody listening to this podcast has uh, any interest in looking you guys up, seeing what you guys do, how do they find you? Uh, you know, it, it, just look on the um, – you can just uh, email me at jpagan at eco-sps.com. And we have an Instagram now. 
Ecosystems Protection Service. No spaces. That's a long one. Yeah, yeah, it is. One of my friends says, I can't even pronounce it. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What's the number one mistake you see guys making when they're, they're, they're trying to dive in and they're like, okay, I want to start you know, really improving my ground for ducks? Like, What's the number one mistake you see? Because I'm sure there's people listening that are like, well, I'm going to try diving into this, but I haven't gotten any expert help. I'm gonna, I've got a little bit of equipment that I'm borrowing from friends. Like, what? Let me give you top three. Okay, top three. Top That's three. perfect. Number one, they don't have the drainage correct. Okay. Number two. They most of the time disc up really good moist soil and don't know it because they don't know their plants. So plant identification plant is Plant identification is critical, and there's so many good books. That book that y'all were talking about, the Waterfowl Handbook, every picture in there, I took that. And because the NRCS did not have a book that showed the pictures of the plants, and we're like, and so then we got Lee to do all of his handbooks, and we put it in that little book. But those pictures were non-existent. And then Mississippi State did a great job putting this new book together. I mean, it is incredible. You can really identify picture books if you don't know how to run a dichotomous key, you know. Um, so, so those, and then the last but not least, is that they're just hard-headed and say, I got to have hot food. Because they saw that big bunch of ducks that one day on that corn. I'll, and so I'll close with this. <clears throat> A cornfield is great when it's cold, as I said. But that cornfield, when it goes, when they eat it all, when it gets below 55 pounds of forage per acre, they're gone and they're not coming back. Moist soil holds a steady number of ducks throughout the season because they're not only eating seeds but aquatic invertebrates. When they're getting ready to go back to the prairies, mama needs calcium, so she's eating snails and physa snails and gastropods and copepods and all these squiggly things that's in the water column. And so, um, you know, that's, the, that's the, real, the real reason behind rice is the same way. Milo's the same way. When they finish that hot crop, they're leaving it and they're not coming back. So, so that's my biggest thing is whole ducks throughout the season. Not 50,000 for five days, because then they eat it up and they're gone. So, now I wouldn't mind you planting some around Five Oaks where we didn't have to spend $500 an acre, and then I'll play off you. So the other critical thing, I think, and this comes back to community, is uh, I thought I was going to close, but one more point. No, keep going. That's all right. Okay. Is that somebody's got to grow the corn. Somebody's got to have the moist soil. Somebody's got to have really good pin oak woods flooded. Somebody's got to have scrub shrub. Somebody's got to have open water. So, so that's how we get to this point is these workshops and these symposiums and really building the, the public to understand it's not about you. It's about the habitat. And that's why I've been a lifelong DU um, volunteer because I believe in habitat because that's, that's what I manage. And uh, it's made me a really good living. So, Well, and in case you guys haven't noticed by now, um, Jody is extremely modest. You know, I'm going <laughs> kindergarten to college. This is way past college. This yeah. is, this is, it's too bad everybody can't be at this, oh, right? Because it, it is yeah. one of the most impressive groups of knowledge that there is. Um, and this, this Osage Basin is very cool. What Jeff's done down here and, and their little co-op that they've formed where everybody helps everybody. Um, it's too bad everybody can't figure that out. Now, they don't want everybody to figure it out because it moves ducks from where they are. But this is, this is a special, special place and a special group of people 
that are doing incredible things. So it's it's very cool. I'm I'm very thankful that they put something like this together. Um, it it does nothing but help everybody. So, Josh, any other words? No, I'm good. No, anybody else want to say anything? You, the mic is yours if if you want to chime in. Anybody, nope. anybody got a good story to end it on? Yeah. Somebody's got to have a good story. How do you top Jeff's story? Well, a torn ACL at the Sitka Olympics, yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> MCL, yeah. Riding a bouncy ball. Riding a – yeah, exactly. Hey, I would say I really appreciate y'all doing Absolutely. this because more exposure brings more people to the understanding of management. So, thank y'all. Oh, absolutely. Just it's been fantastic. Understand, yeah. moist soil is the limiting factor in the Mississippi Flyway. You control the limiting factor, you better believe the hunting is going to get a lot better. So, just leave it at that. That's a good – that's, that's a good, good way to end good it. Way to end it. Yep, that's a wrap. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you did, go ahead and give us a subscribe. That way you're going to get a notification every time we put out a new podcast. Chandler, what else should they do? Go to our uh, social media pages and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Uh, get a subscribe to YouTube channel. We do uh, product reviews there. And then uh, giveaways is a great part of our social media as well. And then we just want to thank you guys for what you guys do and support us so we can do stuff like this. So thank you.